Hello, sports fans. Welcome to this WMOV Radio Mountain East Conference Spotlight of the Week with Glenville State Head Football Coach Mike Keller. How is your family and your team doing during all this? Is, is everybody safe? Well, yeah, I believe so. I mean, uh, we're in constant contact with the team, and, uh, you know, everyone seems to be in good spirits and in good health, thank God. And, uh, you know, as far as the family goes, I got I got a couple of them scattered throughout the country. So, uh, you know, obviously we're, we're in constant contact. And, um, you know, really hasn't changed a whole lot in Glenville as far as our lifestyle or, or what we're doing or how we're working. Um, the kids wouldn't be on campus this time of year anyway, you know, so they're all back home in different parts of the country. And, and um, you know, so it's been all systems go for us as far as our off-season program and all that. Uh, the interesting part will be to see how things proceed once school starts. What's the main way that you've been keeping in touch with your team? You know, our D coordinator has, uh, I think it's called Microsoft, uh, uh, some sort of Microsoft Zoom. It's a Zoom-type meeting. And, uh, you know, he'll meet with different parts, different segments of the defense. Uh, me and our quarterback coach have been doing uh, the quarterback meetings. Um, believe it or not, with the way today's things are, you know, I got the whole team divided into a bunch of group text. And, you know, I'll send the uh, receivers out a group text with an announcement or I'll draw a play up and quiz them if they know who what the split is by the flanker on that play. And, um, you know, just staying in constant contact with the team, different segments like that. Each coach is in charge of his own group. And they're all doing Zoom meetings and staying in contact that way. Obviously, you really you can't make up for those in-person repetitions that you would have got in spring ball. But has it kind of been nice to be able to slow down and just kind of get some mental reps for, for your players during this? You game? know, for me personally, it, it kind of has. I mean, you know, we, we, we did a video install, which I've been saying for years that I was going to do, but just never really got time to do it. Went through, you know, the last seven years of every way we've ran certain plays and put it into a cut up and, and got filmed teaching it and put the drawing, did it all, you know, did it all on huddle instead of it being something that they're getting, you know, in a drawing or just on a board and kind of, kind of updated what we do and how we go about doing it, really studied ourselves, did some reflecting. And so from that standpoint, it's been great, but you know, I would trade all that to have been working with the kids one-on-one every day. Let's talk a little bit about you and, and, and your background. Uh, Coach, where are you from originally? I'm from uh, Shenston, West Virginia, the Clarksburg Bridgeport area there. Um, born and raised there, played high school ball at Lincoln. Uh, came to Glenville State out of high school and played here for Coach Rodriguez. Uh, then started my coaching career, you know, up the road at Fairmont State for eight years. Then went to Northern Michigan University for two. And then went to Cal PA during the glory times there with the OC there for five years. Got my first chance to be a head coach at Concord in 2009 with head coach of Concord for two years then went back to Cal PA and uh, had one year as the head coach in waiting and four years as the head coach and you know Lenore Ryan and came full circle and back to Glenville State. During your time uh, at Glenville State as a player um, you had the opportunity uh, as you just mentioned to play for coach Rodriguez what do you remember about playing for him and what did you learn during that time? Oh, just how he changed the attitude of the entire program. You know, how what a big culture guy that he was. And, you know, we were really a bad football program before Coach Rodriguez came in. And he came in with a standard of play, a standard of practice, a standard of how you acted off the field, how you acted in the classroom, and, you know, how the program was bigger than any individual person. And to see how he turned that terrible culture into an amazing culture and, and turned us into winners. You know, I can tell me stories about the football stuff, about how to throw a certain route or how to read a certain run, 
the schemes and all that. But truthfully, what, what he really did a great job was was changing the culture and the work ethic of, of what it took to be a winner and, and imprinted that into a great program. I, I tell everyone, Coach Rod won because of that just as much or more. You know, he, he's known as his spread offense guru and all that's well-deserved and all that. But if you ask me, he's a great coach. He could have coached any scheme, any sport, any side of the ball, and he'd have made you a winner because he knew how to make you a better player. What is the best story of Rich Rodriguez that you have from your time? I mean, you know, I mean, there's just so many, you know, but just the way he competed, mm. you know, off the field. I mean, I could tell you stories about Coach Rodriguez playing Emerald basketball against us and how he took that as serious and played as hard as he did at that as as he did when we were playing, you know, Concord or Fairmont or or Washington State or any of those teams. I mean, he wanted to win in everything that he did. And there was one time we were playing at the uh, three on three at the court by the basketball, uh, uh, by the golf uh, course here in Glenville. And Coach Rod went up for a layup, and and I blocked it, and and I called a foul. And he started yelling at me, saying, you know, I can't say exactly everything he said, but he yelled at me because he said, I, I'm tougher than that. I, uh, that wasn't that wasn't a foul. And uh, you know, and just how competitive and what a great athlete. I mean, he would really play basketball. He could shoot it. And, you know, at that time I was 19, he was like 26, 27, you know, and, and he was just so competitive in everything he did, no matter what it was. Anybody that knows anything about Division Two football in the state, they, they know there's no love lost between Fairmont State and Glenville. Was it weird to kind yeah. of all of a sudden find yourself on both sides of that rivalry? Yeah, I've kind of uh... – you know, a lot of people that have been in that rivalry have, have been at those two schools. Uh, yeah, it was weird. I mean, when I was at when I was at Fairmont State, there was no one I wanted to beat more than Glenville State. And then this past year, being at Glenville State, there was no one who we wanted to beat more than than Fairmont State. You know, I think there's a mutual respect between the two schools and the two staffs. And you know, we fight a lot of the same battles in recruiting, and you know, we got a lot of the same logistic problems as each other. And, and all that, you know, we're, we're more similar than we are different, and I think that's what makes a good rivalry. If you look at Ohio State, Michigan, or Auburn, Alabama, their similarities are more or greater than their differences, and that's kind of the way we are at Fairmont State. And uh, one of the reasons that you know we, we you know we want to beat them so bad, and of course they want to beat us just as bad. And as you get older and the alumni group grows, that that rivalry just you know gets hotter and hotter. Earlier, you mentioned being a part of that really prolific stint. Uh, at California, Pennsylvania, uh, where you guys won multiple conference championships in a row. Yeah. What does your time there mean to you, and, and what did you learn from Coach Luckhart at that place? In all honesty, all the places I've been, I look back on Cal the most fond. You know, I was there the longest. Uh, I grew as an OC there, you know, kind of took my own wings there. I mean, I've worked under Coach Sam so tightly at Northern Michigan and at Fairmont. He kind of, you know, always oversaw everything I did. When I went to Cal, you know, Coach Lockhart let me take it and kind of run with it even more. And, of course, we had the success. You know, when I was in my first five years, we won four straight conference championships. We were back-to-back Final Fours. You know, we were 22-3 and three my last two years there. And then I got the Concord head job and, then, and never dreamed I'd ever go back to Cal. And when I got the call to come back to Cal, Coach Luck had talked to me about how he was at the end of his road and going to retire and how I could replace him and, and – uh, you know, and, and I really was, you know, I wrestled with it, but I loved Coach so much, and I loved my time at Cal so much. And, of course, there were some financial, you know, reasons that they were able to help me out there, too. So I went back, and, uh, 
2011 was a weird year because I'd been a head coach and now I'll go back as an OC, kind of head coach and waiting. Uh, took the job in 12 and really loved my time at Cal. And, you know, if the PA system wasn't changing the way it was and budgets weren't being cut the way they were, I would have never left Cal. I mean, I wasn't looking to leave when I did leave. And I loved it, had a lot of success there as a coordinator, had a lot of success there as a head coach and wish those guys up there are nothing but luck in the future. But I feel very fortunate to be where I'm at right now working with the people that I'm working with. What specifically do you think that Cal does right, both from a football standpoint and the university? What Cal did? Yeah. We, we, you know, we were able to recruit a bunch of good players, and we coached them hard, and we made practice really competitive. And I think that created a culture of you had to win every drill, and it just carried over to those kids. You know, they were competitive in the weight room. You know, we turned, we were competitive in the classroom. You know, we were competitive in everything that we did. And if you look back at a lot of those kids like I have and see how successful they are in life, I mean, it's easy to point to the kids who've been in the NFL and all that. But if you really look at the kids who, you know, are successful just in everyday life, whether it be in a teacher or law enforcement or, you know, someone went to law school, I mean, there's just a lot of success there because the kids learned how to compete and win. Last year at Glenville State, in your first year, you guys got off to a solid start uh, in your stint at, at Glenville. You guys were 7-4. and four. What from last year do you think that you guys can really build off of going into 2020? You know, last year, what we did a good job of was just not beating ourselves. I mean, if you really watch us, we weren't a great football team. I mean, we didn't make a lot of plays. Um, you know, we just played really smart and we played together, you know. And I hope that the kids aren't resting on that. I hope they realize that, you know, you won the games by not just beating yourself. Now, if we can keep that same uh, culture of playing smart and playing together and not having any ego on how you win the game, you know, if you win 3 nothing or 50-49, how it doesn't matter. You just play You play offense, defense, kicking is one. Take care of the football. Don't get beat in the big part of the field. Don't give up the run. If you can do those things. You can win football games, and now as our talent improves, as guys get more acclimated with the schemes that they're doing, as they start feeling more comfortable playing with each other, then I think we're going to take off and start making more plays. You mentioned adding some talent to the roster. Unfortunately, you lose a really good one. Forgive me if I say his last name wrong. but Yeah, I can't say it either. Yeah. Dominic Zowskis, <laughs> Defensive Player of yeah. the Year. How do you attempt yeah. to make up for losing him? Everyone's got to play better. You know, Our D-line's got to be better than it was a year ago. Our secondary needs to hold up better than, than they did a year ago. I mean, you can't just look at it and say, okay, Dom played the mic position in our defense, and now the mic's got to go in and be what Dom was. That's unrealistic. You know, and over the years from Fairmont State, I coached Michael Joseph, and, and then, you know, then I coached Antoine Bagwell at, uh, at Cal PA, and then Brian Harmon. I mean, all them guys were player of the year. James Harris, Cal was player of the year for us. You know, I've had multiple guys who were player of the year. And the next year, you don't try to replace that kid. You tell the kid who's taking his spot, you say, you go be you. You do you. And then the rest of us got to step up and do better. And that's how we'll replace that production. What was it about Dom and some of those other guys that you mentioned that really separated them from other players? You know, just the way they carried themselves. They had a lot of confidence. I mean, they were great physically. There's no question. They all got great physical skills or else they wouldn't be in that position. I mean, we all know that. But these guys all had that that mentality of doing things right all the time they always found a way to be in the right place doing the right thing and if you look at them it just wasn't one aspect or one phase of their life it wasn't just in football i mean it was in you know it was off the field it was in the classroom 
anything they did, they did a, a, with a certain level of pride to it. And, and it just it just carried over onto the field. And they were all good about making the players around them better by having those attitudes. Players felt confident with those guys around because they knew they were going to do a great job. Last year, Week 10, huge game on the road against Notre Dame. You guys were able to pull off the upset. Did you feel a different energy that week, and did you have the sense going into that one that you guys had a really good chance? You know, we were starting to play better, and we did some things schematically that – that uh, I wouldn't say different, but put some guys in positions to, to do well. Uh, Jalen was healthy, really, for the first time, you know, since the early in the year. And I felt like we were going to go up there and play well. You know, and I knew they had a big league tailback who was, who was you know, an NFL prospect. But in my heart of hearts, I thought, well, you know, we got a middle linebacker that's supposed to be an NFL prospect. And if we can stop the run, you're not going to stop them. You know, but if you could slow them down and make them throw the football, maybe you got a chance. And, you know, the kid rushed for 190 yards against us, I think 187, so we didn't stop him. But we slowed him down enough that they had to try to make plays in different ways, and they didn't feel comfortable. And our kids played just well enough, just inspired enough, and we were able to pull out a victory in overtime. But it took every break that we got that day. It took everyone playing together for it to happen. I mean, we could have replayed that thing an hour later and probably not done it again, but we did it that time. You beat Notre Dame, you beat Fairmont, two huge wins on the schedule. Are you really looking forward to be able to build off that this year? Well, I'm hoping to. Hopefully the guys, you know, carry some confidence over from that. But truthfully, that was the 2019 team. You know, you want to, you hope that you learned lessons, that your veterans learned lessons from those games that will carry on to this year. But the 2020 team is going to be a totally different animal. I mean, we got 50 new kids, you know, we, we – we got a bunch of high school kids coming in here. They were, you know, they weren't even at those games, yeah. you know. So you hope your veterans could remember what got them to that point to win those games, how they prepared, how they got themselves ready physically, mentally, spiritually to play good in those games. And you hope that they have some leadership to show your younger kids that, you know. And, and then, then you build a program. That's how it took off the cow, and that's what we're trying to get here at Google State. Who are some players to watch out for for the Pioneers in 2020? You know, we got a senior receiver, Javon Butler, who's a returning kid who I think should be pretty good for us uh, offensively. You know, Ryan Mc- or, um, uh, Josh McDeemer, our starting center, should be a good player this year. You know, Seth Arnold will be our tailback from Braxton County. I look for him to have a big year. You know, Delonte Hood at corner is returning. He was an All-American a year ago. You know, so we got some guys. I'm interested to see how some of these freshmen get acclimated. We had a really good class there. We'll see how they do, and if we can turn, you know, like you said, get the momentum from the 2019 and some of those wins and turn it into some victories in 2020. Uh, one more thing before I let you go. Nobody's been around this conference more than you have, at least not too many people. How do you describe the state of the MEC right now? You know, I think it's healthy. I mean, we, you know, we got oh, we just had all from Broadus, which I thought was a great add. Um, you know, I mean, you know, Fairmont and ourselves, you know, the robberies are great there. Uh, Charleston, some of these private schools out in Notre Dame and, and, and uh, you know, in UNC Pembroke. I mean, I think it's wider than it's been. You know, I still look at it half time like a still West Junior Conference. But I think the competition's great in this league. I don't think there's any one team that really dominates. I mean, you look at what Frostburg did coming early the first year to have the season they did. Week in, week out, man, you got to play. You got to play to beat us, and we got to show up to play to beat everyone else. So, you know, if I'm if I'm Reed Amos, the commissioner of this league, I'm I'm looking at this league like a, I build a league that has a lot of parity. There's a lot of natural rivals, and I think that we we've, we've made some hay on the national stage. So, I think the league's pretty healthy. 
Well, all righty, Coach. Uh, thank you so much for, for talking with me today. Uh, this, is, this has truly been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to uh, actually be talking football instead of just looking on the uh, Internet and talking to, uh, to kids via Zoom. So I appreciate you calling me. Thank you for listening to this WMOV Radio Mountain East Conference Spotlight of the Week with Glenville State Head Football Coach Mike Keller. Check out the West Virginia Sports Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher for more WMOV sports content.